I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, it's Blarin Balaban. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Match Day Programme. Arsenal versus Manchester United, Saturday, 23rd of April, 2022. Kickoff, 12:30 p.m. The contents: official voice around Arsenal, sustainability, player feature: Bukayo Saka, history, community voice, academy young gun, around the academy, Arsenal women, visitors: Manchester United. Match action. Arsenal versus Brighton and Hove Albion. Match action. Southampton versus Arsenal and teams. Official voice. Steve Round. Every issue we hear exclusively from significant figures at the club on our official voice pages of the programme. Today we feature first team coach Steve Round who joined the club when Mikel Arteta became manager in December 2019. It was a very proud moment for me to join Arsenal in December 2019 to work at this great football club as part of Mikel's coaching staff. My role as part of the coaching staff is first and foremost to assist the manager in coaching the team and to help coach positional units and individuals within the squad. The crux of everything we do is to try to help the team win on a match day so I'm there to support the manager, to challenge the manager's thinking and to share my knowledge as best I can. My aim is to help the team win, but it's also to help the players and staff improve and that's the essence of coaching. You have to see yourself as a teacher. We're here not only to win matches, but to try to improve everything every day. Technically, tactically, physically, culturally and as human beings. Then on a match day, it's about helping prepare the team whether that's through individual conversations, unit meetings or supporting the manager on his team meeting. It's about helping to formulate game plans and tactical structure to give the team the best possible information to help them be successful on the day. During the warm-ups, it's about a physical and mental preparation pre-game, maybe having a quiet word with a player who you think needs it. Maybe they need a bit of confidence, direction or instruction. Once the game starts, you move into more of an analytical role. How can we make a difference tactically or technically? Do we need subs? How and what are the opposition doing? It's all about observing as much as you can. 
It can be intense on the sidelines during the 90 minutes, and in order to be analytical, we as coaches try to remain emotionally detached. But it's easier said than done. It's such an emotional game, and you have a huge emotional investment in it, and of course we're all human. But you have to try to step back and see a clear picture. Understand what's going on, then pass on your advice. We've got a lot of talented colleagues behind the scenes at the club right now. We've all got different roles to look at within the game, and Mikel takes all that information, processes it, and then uses it with his own perspective. I've got to say we've got an exceptional coaching team around us, and although some of them are young, their knowledge is just amazing. They're incredibly good communicators and very forward-thinking in the way they use technology and get their message across. That's very applicable to the new modern player. It's important to have a lot of communication throughout the coaching group. We have diverse thinkers, but everyone is on the same page and has the same aligned culture. We want to develop every day and everyone within the club, and Mikel is very big on this. We share everything. We're very open-minded. A football club now is such a big elite performance organisation. When I started in the early 1990s, we had a manager, an assistant manager, one coach, and that was it. Then we had a goalkeeping coach, and then sports scientists came in. The game is ever-evolving. During the time I've been in the Premier League, we've seen a huge emphasis on physical development. When you have to play every three days, running 12k in every game, 2,000 metres at high intensity, executing every technical aspect at phenomenal speed, it's amazing to think how big the technical and physical development of players has been. Now we're in the midst of a tactical revolution where every team plays differently and can change at any given moment, both in and out of possession. The way that coaches are getting their teams to play throughout the whole of Europe is fascinating. From one game to the next, you can face completely different strategies. And now I think we're just getting into the next wave where I can see a huge development in mental and emotional coaching, helping with mental health, dealing with the scrutiny and pressure that comes with top-level football. That's really going to develop over the next five to ten years. So you need the staff to be able to cope with that. You have to develop players in so many different areas and one person can't do it all. Players want that now as well. They want to get better at every aspect of their game. You have to provide the opportunity for them to be as good as they can be. Staff, whether you're a coach, sports scientist, a physio or psychologist, have to be an elite professional operator. Here at Arsenal, we have excellent staff who are experts in their areas. From my perspective, I started out in coaching at a very young age because I finished my professional career due to injury in my early 20s. That was devastating at the time because playing football at any level at all is the best thing in the world, so it was really hard to take. But even before I got the injury, I loved coaching. I was coaching at the Derby County School of Excellence after I'd finished training and did my first badges at 18. So it was always a passion of mine and that made the transition a bit easier. I realised very early that if you want to be a good coach, you have to gather as much knowledge as possible. I was self-taught at that time and it was hard work. I travelled the world watching lots of different sports and coaches. It was fascinating to learn more and more on the journey. You then need a bit of luck and some supportive mentors along the way to help in the process. Fortunately, I've had a lot of good mentors and people who took the time to help me develop. Everyone I've worked with has helped shape my career. I've worked with lots of different people over the years. 
I worked with sports psychologist and ex-England basketball coach Bill Beswick, who changed my way of thinking. My wife, friends and family have been a big supporting influence too. Then all the managers I've worked with have had a huge effect on my life. While I was working with the England team, I remember sitting with Terry Venables every day for as long as I could, because the guy was fascinating. He has so much knowledge about tactics, and defensive play especially. Every club I've worked at, and every manager I've worked under, every experience I've had has helped me grow. Even now you have to be humble and open-minded enough to learn every single day. Now at Arsenal, in Mikel Arteta, we've got an exceptional manager, there's no doubt about that, and an incredible person too. The sky's the limit for him. The job he's done over the past couple of years is amazing. The changes he's made and how he's started to develop this exciting, fresh new team. He's building a real togetherness and spirit, not only with the players, but within the whole club. It's difficult to compare the managers I've worked with because they're all different people with different styles and philosophies. But at Arsenal right now, with this group of people, we're moving in the right direction. Within the coaching staff, we've got a very close relationship built on trust, understanding and respect. I've known Mikel a long time. I coached him at Everton and I've seen him develop as a footballer and now as a manager. It's great to be part of that team. Yes, we're honest. We're honest with each other and we tell each other the truth. We support each other in good times and bad and it's a pleasure to work with this group because they're a talented bunch and it inspires me every day when I come into work. There's been huge change at the club and we've now got a really fresh and exciting team. When you're developing like this, you know there are going to be bumps in the road. Of course there are. But they are starting to build a resilience, a robustness, a spirit and a cohesive togetherness, which is really exciting. They've gelled. When they lose, they are devastated. Devastated for each other, the team and the fans. And when they win, they are so together and spirited. The connection is definitely there and it's a joy to be part of. Yes, we need to improve. Yes, we need to be better and more consistent. But when you realise the average age of this squad, the next three or four years look very exciting. There's something here we can get behind. And if we keep developing, we can become a real force for years to come, I'm sure. For me personally, I'm very proud to be part of this group at Arsenal. It's just a magnificent football club. For years, Arsenal have been at the forefront of everything. I have great respect for Arsene and I forged a good relationship over the years, competing against him. I remember coming to Highbury with Middlesbrough during the 49-game unbeaten run. We went 3-1 up, then within 20 minutes we were 5-3 down. What a team, what an incredible team. There is such a great tradition and history here. Just before I came to Arsenal, I had moved into a different career and was sporting director at Aston Villa, which I really enjoyed. But then I had a call from Mikel. He said he was going into management and he wanted somebody on his staff who was English and had experience of the league. He asked if I would be interested. I was interested right away as I have so much respect for him. So I asked where the job was and as soon as he said Arsenal, that was me. That was it. I'm there, I told him. I'm there. It doesn't get any better than that. Yes, I knew there's a challenge to get the club back to where we belong but with the players and staff we have now, and with the way the supporters have rallied behind the team, I really feel that the club is moving the right way. It's a brilliant football club, just brilliant. And we all want to make it the very best it can be.
Around Arsenal. Smith-Rowe and Saka make history. Emil Smith-Rowe and Bukayo Saka both created their own slice of history by scoring in the 4-2 win at Chelsea on Wednesday night. They became only the second and third Arsenal players, aged 21 or younger, to score at least 10 times in a Premier League season, after Nicolas Anelka netted 17 times in 1998-99. In fact, the Gunners are just the third side to have multiple players, aged 21 and younger, reach double figures in the same season, after Leeds United in 99-2000 with Michael Bridges and Harry Kuehl, and Man United in 2006-07 with Wayne Rooney and Cristiano Ronaldo. Smith Rowe reached double figures by sweeping the ball home with a sumptuous first-time finish on 27 minutes to put the Gunners 2-1 up after Timo Werner had cancelled out Eddie Nketiah's opener. Cesar Azpilicueta equalised before the break, but Nketiah made it 3-2 just before the hour mark, and Saka joined fellow Hale-End graduate Smith Rowe on 10 league goals for the season in stoppage time. It was a memorable moment for the 20-year-old, who stepped up to score from the spot after being hauled down by Azpilicueta, his first senior penalty for Arsenal and his first since his spot kick was saved in the Euro 2020 final with England. I thought that Gabby Martinelli was going to take it, Mikel Arteta said afterwards. When I saw that Bukayo took it, honestly, my first thing that I thought was back in the summer and what happened. But when that happened to Bukayo, that happened for a reason. And he learned so much, and he matured so much. That's why he's having the season that he's had. For him to have the courage to say, I'm going to take it again, because I'm sure it was in the back of his mind, for me it's chapeau, even if he had missed it. Smith Rowe and Saka both attended our Hale End Academy from a young age, and they made their Arsenal debuts within weeks of each other in 2018. Smith Rowe at home against FC Vorskler in the Europa League on September 20th, and Saka away to the same opponents that November. Well done to both Emil and Bukayo, and we look forward to seeing how many more goals you're going to score for Arsenal this season and beyond. Ref Watch our referee today is Craig Pawson. The Sheffield-born official will be in charge of his fifth Arsenal game this season, having officiated our 3-1 home wins over Tottenham and Aston Villa, our 1-0 defeat at Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup and our 3-2 win at Watford last month. He has ref 21 Premier League games so far this season, handing out 96 yellow cards and two reds. Steve Rowley Everyone at the club was deeply saddened to learn of the recent passing of our former chief scout Steve Rowley after a short illness. Steve, 63, had been associated with Arsenal since January 1980 when he began a part-time role in our youth scouting operations in Essex. Notable early successes in the identification of talent, including Tony Adams and Ray Parler, led to a full-time position during George Graham's time as manager. Upon his arrival in 1996, Arsene Wenger appointed Steve as our chief scout, a position he held until 2017. During four decades with the club, Steve and his network of scouts were responsible for identifying and securing many players instrumental in on-pitch success for the club. Tributes have poured in for Steve from the many people in football who were touched by his warmth and who were helped in their careers by this amiable, talented but extremely modest man. On hearing of Steve's death, Chess Fabregas posted on Twitter, 
What a sad day it is. A great man has left us, a true legend. I don't know where I would be today if you didn't manage to convince Arson to sign me as a sixteen-year-old. I will never forget your advice and the confidence you gave me every day. You will be greatly missed. Another hugely influential player from the Wenger era, Robin Van Persie, was equally devastated to hear of Steve's passing, saying on social media, Steve, a scout, a tutor and a friend. Thanks for everything. You will be in my thoughts forever. Countless were the hours when you scouted me as a young player. Countless were the hours where you sat with me, studying videos of Bergkamp and Perez, helping me become aware of space and how to create space on the pitch. You were there for me in a crucial period of my career, and you helped me to achieve all the things I dreamed of in football. I played for the club, but I also played for you, the man who believed in me. The players wore black armbands at Stamford Bridge on Wednesday as a mark of respect for Steve, who would have been thrilled to see a team featuring so many young, locally scouted lads proving to be the match winners. There will be a period of applause prior to kick-off today to remember our former chief scout. Our thoughts are with Steve's family and friends at this time. Rest in peace, Steve. Ticket news. Home tickets. Arsenal vs Leeds United. Premier League Sunday, May 8th. Kick-off 2pm, live on Sky Sports. This is a Category B fixture. My Arsenal Rewards members will earn 100 points for each ticket purchased. Tickets are now on, tickets are now on sale to Silver, Red, Cannon and Junior Gunner members via the ticket exchange service up until 11am on Sunday, May 8th, 2022. Arsenal vs Everton, Premier League. Sunday, May 22nd, kick-off 4pm. This is a Category B fixture. My Arsenal Rewards members will earn 100 points for each ticket purchased for this fixture. Tickets are now on sale to Platinum, Silver, Red, Cannon and Junior Gunner members via the ticket exchange service up until 1pm on Sunday, May 22nd, 2022. Away tickets. West Ham vs Arsenal, London Stadium, Premier League. Sunday, May 1st, kick-off 4.30pm, live on Sky Sports. This fixture sold out to all Platinum, Gold and current Travel Club member 25-plus away points. Newcastle United vs Arsenal, St James's Park, Premier League, Monday, May 16th, kick-off 4.30pm, live on Sky Sports. This fixture sold out to all Platinum, Gold and current Travel Club member 5-plus away points. Notice Board Totalizer, £1,280. Happy 14th birthday, Reese. Love mum, dad, Max, Harry and all the family. Welcome, Stevie Hughes and his mates from Porterdown, Northern Ireland. Have a good day, lads. Happy 75th birthday to lifelong gooner John Robinson, who turned 75 on April 24th. Love Samantha and Tony. Happy 7th birthday, Jai Barlow. Have the best day and enjoy the game. We love you lots. Mum, Dad, Kian, Amelia and Evie. Joel Kennedy, happy 18th birthday. Have a great day. Come on, you gunners. Love Mum, Nana and AJ. Cormac, wishing you the best birthday ever. Enjoy the match. Love Mum. Welcome Archie Dillon at his first Arsenal game with Grandad. Mum and Dad sent all their love to Leo 8 and Max 6, who are here today for their first ever Arsenal match. Happy 12th birthday, Alexander. 
Hope you enjoy the game. Come on, you gunners. Love mum, dad and Zara. Cubby Ferugia, wishing you a very happy sixth birthday. Love always mum, dad, Maisie and Sarah. Happy tenth birthday, Isaac Ness. Enjoy the match. Love mum, Mark, Grandad and Matilda. Elliot, happy 33rd birthday to our favourite gunner. Love Ash, Eddie, Gaz and the gang. Peter Thomas, sadly passed away February 21st, 2022, aged 78 from dementia. Survived by wife Kay, sons Paul and Michael and grandchildren Ethan, Alexander and Keris. His clock-end seat will be filled by his grandchildren and friends. Brenda Williams, may you rest in peace. Sending our love to Gary, Lawrence, Vinny and Cheryl. Marie Kelly, lifelong Arsenal supporters Con and Michael Kelly are sad to announce the death of their mother who passed away on March 16th, 2022, aged 88. The Kelly family moved to Highbury from County Mayo, Ireland in 1963. Frederick Leonard Pryor, our husband, father and granddad. A loyal Arsenal fan for 62 years and truly missed by his family and friends. Love you always. Scott Boyal, beloved partner, dad, son and brother. Devoted Arsenal fan despite protests from his Leicester supporting family. Taken way too soon on March 6th. Missed so much by all who knew him. Rest easy, Scott. We all love you. Graham Morton was the best son, father, friend and Arsenal fan going. His spirit will be with the team forevermore. He will be missed more than he knows. Love from all your family. Stephen Woolhouse. Devoted father, son, brother, grandson, nephew and cousin. A passionate, loyal fan through and through. The love and devotion he had for his family and team will forever burn bright. Always on our minds. Forever in our hearts. Con Sullivan. Everyone at Arsenal was saddened to hear of the death of our former goalkeeper Con Sullivan, aged 93. After joining us from his hometown club, Bristol City, in February 1954, Con played 32 games for the Gunners until he was forced to retire through injury in 1959. Con, who was our oldest former player, attended our home game against Watford in September 2018 as a special guest for his 90th birthday and he received a special personalised programme, which we're happy to say he loved. Our thoughts are with Con's family and friends. Email notices to programme at arsenal.co.uk. All donations go to the Arsenal Foundation. Young role models awarded white shirts for No More Red. The No More Red initiative launched in January with Adidas to support the long-standing work being done by Arsenal in the community to keep young people safe from knife crime and youth violence. Within that, one of the aims was to spotlight the work of young people who have made a positive difference, and today we celebrate six of them for the work they have put in to Arsenal in the community programmes and beyond. Well done to Tilly, Josh, Becky, Abby, Jordan and Ahmed, who will each receive one of the iconic white shirts that highlight the No More Red campaign. Tilly is a Camden resident who is an outstanding role model, having overcome the many challenges she experienced in the education system growing up. She understands many of the issues facing young people in her community. Tilly now works in local alternative education settings and estates as a community coach and peer mentor. 
Josh is an extremely talented young person who aims to inspire and support other autistic individuals through sharing his own experiences and achievements. Josh is currently studying criminology at university, as well as pursuing a career in acting. Having appeared in several short films, Josh hopes to develop his experiences in the industry further over the coming years. Becky has been a participant on Arsenal in the community programmes for five years, engaging in education and football initiatives. She has grasped several opportunities over the past year, including taking part in a Young Leaders programme, completing her FA Playmaker course and gaining her FA Introduction to Coaching Football Certificate. She is a hugely valuable member of our programme and sets a fantastic example to the other members of the group. Abby is a former Arsenal in the community participant and now a community coach who works across several education and social inclusion programmes. She progressed from being a participant on our women's and girls programme onto our two-year BTEC level sports science course. Since completing that, Abby has pursued a coaching career, working with Arsenal in the community and local grassroots teams, while also playing for Islington Football Development. Abby has demonstrated fantastic commitment and is seen as a positive role model to the young people that she coaches. Jordan is an Islington resident who has taken part in the Arsenal in the Community programmes for eight years. He has always shown a desire to make the most of positive opportunities such as courses, volunteering and spent a season as part of the Arsenal ball squad. He is respected highly by his peers in the community for his positive attitude leadership skills and dedication to achieving his personal goals. Jordan is currently a first-year scholar at Sutton United. Ahmed is a local entrepreneur who has inspired other young people by creating a successful digital media platform called Dose of Society, which aims to connect communities and like-minded advocates around the world through the power of video and collective action. He was part of the Copenhagen Youth Project in Islington from a young age, and he now sits on their board as a youth chair. Ahmed's entrepreneurial journey began in 2018 when he decided to pick up his camera, tour the borough of Islington, and document stories of young teenagers. Through his passion, hard work and creativity, Ahmed attracted investment, and Dose of Society now possesses an extraordinary online following and continues to go from strength to strength. New Guna Nadia Amy Hartley answered the appeal to help Ukrainian refugees and was delighted to be able to provide a home for Nadia from the Donbass region of Ukraine. Amy, who's an Emirates regular, was quick to give Nadia the ultimate London experience and bring her to an Arsenal home match. Sadly, it wasn't the perfect afternoon as we succumbed to a defeat against Brighton. But Nadia really enjoyed the experience and loved how welcoming the Arsenal supporters were on her first visit. Let's hope we can bring you a win at your next match, Nadia. Homophobic abuse at Brighton Fixture We have been made aware of incidents of homophobic abuse at our home fixture against Brighton and Hove Albion on Saturday, April 9th. We can confirm that two supporters were ejected and we stepped up stewarding operations in areas where abuse was reported. The incidents that were reported are now being investigated by the club, and we will take the strongest action possible against perpetrators who can be identified. We'd also like to remind supporters that homophobic abuse is a hate crime, 
and punishable by law. Please think before you chant. We'd like to thank those who came forward to report the incidents. We can only address this kind of abuse with the help of our fans as allies. Discriminatory abuse in the stadium can be reported by texting FOUL and the perpetrator's block, row and seat number and a brief description of the offence to 67777. Football has the power to unite people of all backgrounds and we don't want anyone to feel it's not for them. We are committed to using the power of our voice and reach to make it absolutely clear Arsenal is for everyone. Why I wrote a book about my father, Eddie Hapgood, Lynn Hapgood. The simple answer is that there was a mystery and I wanted to solve it. As a child, I knew my father, but I wasn't at all sure I knew Eddie Hapgood, even though the world around me seemed to connect them. When I solved the mystery, I told myself, I want to tell everyone what I've discovered. It's not surprising I was confused, because I was born after my father's elite football career was over. But from my earliest years, I always knew something important and wonderful had happened, even though I couldn't grasp what it was. As I grew older, something still seemed to be happening, because frequent pointers to a past world would come alive in the present. Such as the interrupted walks. Wherever we went, men would stop us with an exclamation, a question. Is it Eddie Hapgood? How are you? A vigorous shaking of hands would follow. Then, I remember when, and they would talk. As they chatted, I would lean against my father and learn about another life, where every match on every day of the season and beyond was forever memorable. I learned that my father had the power to make grown men faces glow with unashamed delight to bring tears to their eyes. He seemed like a wizard of Oz. Such as, the mysterious powers I seem to develop. Well, this is one example. It's 1966. I'm in a public phone box and I've run out of change. Desperate, I punch 100 for the operator. I want to make a reverse charge call, please. Chepstow 3211. And your name? Lynn Hapgood. Any relation to the footballer? Oh yes, his daughter. Pleased to meet you. I'll put you straight through, my dear. Talk as long as you like. I was retired before I had time to make sense of it all and bring father and footballer and family together. My reward was to discover another mystery. However much information I collected, however many memories I recalled, there was always something else I wanted to write for which I could find no words. I think it was fans of England and Arsenal who finally helped me to understand what was unique about my father. After all, fans remember and store up personal histories way more valuable than statistics. In 1958, a fan who had watched Arsenal throughout the 1930s was prompted by a television programme to write, I will never forget you, Eddie Hapgood, because you were as much part of my young life as all the other significant events of the 30s, and you thereby enriched it. Thank you very much, Eddie Hapgood. He even found the word I never could, which captured my father's influence. Enriched. That says it all, as do the countless fans over the years who grasped his hand and said, when worlds failed them, Well, well, Eddie Hapgood as if he always had solved, and always would solve, everything. 
Read more about Lynn Hapgood's search to understand her father's fame in Eddie Hapgood, Footballer from Beyond the Touchline, out now from Pitch Publishing. Ian Wright enters the Hall of Fame. We all know he's an Arsenal legend, but now Ian Wright is being recognised for his achievements by being inducted into the Premier League Hall of Fame. The London-born striker was a latecomer to professional football, only signing his first contract when he was 21, but he made his name by scoring 117 goals for Crystal Palace before joining the Gunners for a club record £2.5 million in 1991. Wrighty was an instant hit, winning the Golden Boot in his first season and going on to lead the Arsenal scoring charts for six seasons in a row. In total, he scored 185 goals for the club, breaking Cliff Bastin's all-time scoring record of 178 goals by firing a hat-trick against Bolton Wanderers in September 1997. That season, he helped the club to win the Premier League and FA Cup double to add to his Arsenal Hall of FA Cup, League Cup and European Cup Winners' Cup. He also won 33 England caps, scoring nine goals. The 2022 Hall of Fame inductee went on to play for West Ham United, Nottingham Forest, Celtic and Burnley before retiring in 2000, but there is no doubt that Arsenal is the club he is most associated with and is the club he still continues to support, both on social media and in person, at both Emirates Stadium and Meadow Park. Congratulations, Wrighty. Sustainability. Red, white and green. Sustainability Focus. Arsenal Football Club has a vision to lead the sporting community in a quest to a more sustainable future, and the Match Day programme is taking the lead. Working with Carbon Link in Kenya, this season's issue is offsetting the emissions generated during the programme production process, creating the Arsenal Forest in Africa. Carbon Link estimated we need to plant 12,500 trees, each absorbing 20 kilograms of carbon dioxide over the next 10 years. With your help, we have exceeded that target, with 15,500 seedlings planted so far. But we can do more. The programme is also sponsoring small environmental projects around the club as well as encouraging young fans and staff members to tell us about their green credentials. We are also highlighting our printer's environmental efforts. The programme also showcases how we continue to develop sustainability initiatives with our energy partner, Octopus Energy. Bishop's Backing Arsenal's programme print partner, Bishop's Printers, are considered one of the most environmentally conscious printers in the UK. Here we highlight their sustainability credentials. Programme subscribers have each issue sent to them from Bishop's sister company, the Mailing People, who are also making strong sustainable efforts. To minimise the corporate impact on the environment, TMP now use biodegradable polywrap to send out programmes. This product will degrade to just carbon dioxide and water. Hitting the heights We started planting the first Arsenal Forest neem seedlings in December and already these are over one metre tall 
Planting trees at the equator guarantees fantastic growing conditions all year round with so much sunlight as long as the rains come. And the bigger the trees, the more carbon dioxide they gobble up to help the battle against global warming. Boray lions in roaring form. The Arsenal Forest Project aims to plant enough trees to make up for the carbon dioxide released and the resources consumed in the production of this programme. But the project isn't just supporting the environment and local workers, it's also inspiring the village football team, the Boré Lions. The club sent kit for the Lions and many of the players are also employed on the scheme. George Harre is one of the league's leading strikers His job is to supply drinking water to the workers on the planting site. And on the football side, the team are in form at the moment. The Lions are unbeaten since receiving their new strip in January. George models himself on Alexandre Lacazette and dreams of being scouted by a top international team one day. Elijah Combe plays the midfield and works delivering neem seedlings from the nursery to the forest site. He mainly uses his earnings to pay for school fees. Jacob Ngua is a doughty defender. They say no one gets around Jacob. He works planting the trees and his dream is to one day play for the Gunners. Despite the Boré Lions being an amateur team, there are high demands on the players. Training in the midday heat can be brutal and the playing conditions on the dry, rutted pitches put some serious strain on the body. But like the locals' attitude to growing the Arsenal Forest, the informed team are truly committed. Grow your own. Carbon Link has already received lots of orders for trees from supporters wishing to add to the Arsenal Forest. Over 15,000 trees are now being planted. Thanks for getting involved. We want to expand our 12.5-acre area to make our forest as big as possible. There are three options to purchase trees, 25 trees for £25, 50 for £50, 100 for £100. If you are concerned about your own carbon footprint, this is an excellent way of making a small, sustainable step in the right direction and also doing it in the name of the club you love. And what an excellent gift for an Arsenal fan in your life. Scan the QR code for more information on our project and details of how to be part of our forest. Arsenal are electric. Together with our official energy partner, Octopus Energy, we are delighted to launch a joint sustainability initiative to fit Emirates Stadium with electric vehicle chargers, handily located in the car park under the stadium. The chargers offer 100% renewable energy to electric vehicle drivers on match days and for events at Emirates Stadium and are 100% compatible with all electric vehicles currently on the market. Arsenal and Octopus How we are working together with our energy partner Arsenal Football Club may be red, but its commitment to being green has been the driving force behind our work with our official energy partner, Octopus Energy. 
Since 2016, Octopus Energy have powered Emirates Stadium, London Colney Training Ground and Hale End Youth Academy with 100% renewable energy. Since then, we've joined forces to save over 11.5 million kilograms of carbon dioxide, enough to fill a stadium seven times or the equivalent work of 57,000 trees through the following green initiatives. Arsenal became the first Premier League club to sign up to UN Sports for Climate Action Framework. This incredible initiative helps bring the sports industry in line with the goals of the Paris Agreement and endeavours to keep global heating below 2 degrees Celsius by 2050. Octopus Energy and Arsenal defender Hector Bellerin donated 48,000 trees to one tree planted. The project saw trees planted in the Amazon rainforest in order to support critically important ecosystems and the local people who help conservation and restoration. Junior gunners and community groups joined Octopus Energy to plant trees to launch Colney Wood at the London Colney Training Ground. 500 trees were planted over the course of the season and the grounds will be enjoyed by the players while training in years to come. The tree planting was built on the success of Octopus Energy School's tree planting programme in 2017, supported by the Gunners, where nearly 2,000 trees were planted across 50 UK schools. Next, we teamed up with Octopus to install a 3-megawatt mega battery at Emirates Stadium, so the stadium can run on 100% green battery power. The battery can provide a vital contribution to the energy required on a match day. It's designed to fill up whenever the UK's energy supply is greenest, usually when the sun is shining, the wind is blowing and not many people are using power in the small hours of the morning. Then we can utilise the stored energy between 4 to 7pm when demand on the grid is high and the UK has to burn far more dirty fossil fuels. Last year, we installed electric vehicle charge points for fans at Emirates Stadium, powered by 100% renewable energy from Octopus, allowing electric vehicle drivers to charge their cars while they watch the match. Together, 137 games have been played using sustainable energy to help power the stadium, making the Gunners title contenders in the Premier League Sustainability League table. Defending from the ground up. We're no strangers to tree planting. When the United Nations Environment Programme and World Health Organization formed their Breathe Life campaign, we launched a national tree planting campaign with our official energy supplier, Octopus Energy, to show our support. To date, we've planted over 12,000 trees in schools and community spaces around the UK. 500 trees at our London Colney training ground and pledged 24,000 trees in total. Eco Gunners We ask young Arsenal fans to tell us how they are helping the planet. Junior Gunner siblings Henry, 8, and Poppy, 5, have been working both inside and outside of school to help with sustainability. 
Henry is always looking for ways to help the environment, which include joining the eco club at school and turning the lights off around the house. He's even been recycling his dad's beer cans into solar-powered robots, as recycling helps make the earth healthy. Poppy likes to help in the garden by watering plants and the monkey tree, as plants help us breathe and smell pretty. That's fantastic, Henry and Poppy. Everyone needs a solar-powered robot. Octopus Energy, our official energy supplier, and who are supporting the club on its sustainability journey, are sending you a cuddly octopus. If you are thinking about the environment, email juniorgunners at arsenal.co.uk now. If we feature you in the programme, our friends at Octopus will send you a cuddly octopus too. Player feature Bukayo Saka, Fanzone Arsenal players discuss the influence and inspiration provided by you, the fans. A deafening crowd, a raucous atmosphere, it's all part of the job for Bukayo Saka. Big crowds don't faze me, he says as he looks back on silencing opposition supporters, playing behind closed doors and inspiring his own fans. Anyone who's been to Emirates Stadium this season will have felt it, a buzz in the air, renewed hope, even a sense of expectation, not necessarily that Arsenal are going to conquer the world just yet, but that this club is starting to build something special. Young players are key to that. They exude energy, and that energy feeds the crowd, which in turn gives those young players the confidence to express themselves on the pitch. They represent the future of the club, a future that, thanks to its youth, is uncumbered by failures of the past. And you could reasonably argue that no one player represents the hope and expectation of this coming Arsenal era more than academy graduate Bakayo Saka. If that's a burden, you wouldn't know it. From hearing the 20-year-old speak, he doesn't appear to feel pressure. I wouldn't say I'm phased by big crowds, he says as an example, before recalling one specific foreign trip that was instrumental in his footballing education. When we went to Frankfurt away in the Europa League, I would say that was one of the most crazy atmospheres I've been in. Even before the game, my ears were ringing. It was so loud. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I went and had a good game. I actually enjoyed it. That was September 2019, and Bakaya was sensational that night. First, he set up Joe Willock to open the scoring on 38 minutes, then curled home his first senior goal from 20 yards on 85 minutes, before still finding time to supply the pass from which Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang added the third to complete an impressive 3-0 win. A new star was born. But it was only a matter of months later that COVID-19 struck, football was suspended, and when it did return, matches took place behind closed doors. I can't imagine doing that again, he says. The fans complete the atmosphere. They make the whole day feel complete. And the energy you get from the fans makes a big difference. I don't wish to do that again. I don't feel the pressure playing in front of a big crowd, Bakayo adds. However many people there are in the stadium, you know that the game is being streamed and there could be millions of people around the world watching you. For me, I'd say I'm my own biggest critic. So before anyone else criticises me, I've already done it to myself and told myself to do better. 
big crowds don't faze me. This would also explain why the youngster was so at home on the Wembley stage for England during last year's Summer European Championships, and it speaks volumes about him rather than dwell on the manner of England's defeat in the final. He focuses on what it meant to get there in the first place. Wembley is probably my favourite stadium, he admits. If I remember correctly, my England debut was behind closed doors, but it was still special because I grew up near Wembley. I always used to see it from the car driving past, so to make my debut for my country there was amazing. He does remember correctly. By the way, Bukayo's England debut came when he started a 3-0 win over Wales at an empty national stadium in October 2020. Little more than a year after he had lit up the Frankfurt Stadion, you get the sense that his memory is the sign of a sharp and analytical mind that as well as being self-critical, stores away all of the highs and all of the moves that come off, as well as the lows. I think Wembley at the Euros was one of the best atmospheres, he adds. And that's all he will say about a tournament that could have destroyed his confidence heading into this season, before making a point of praising our own supporters. But this season, the Emirates has been special as well. One match obviously stands out in his own mind, and it's one of what he says are relatively few number of games that he's watched back later on. I'll only watch myself back or watch the match again, if I've had a really good game. For example, the North London derby. I'll watch that back a few times, but I wouldn't normally say I'll go back and watch myself again and again. This is another hint that all the self-analysis Bukayo needs goes on in his head and that the memories are locked away for future reference. He doesn't need the ego boost of watching himself on television because for him, there are always plenty of other footballers to watch. It's hard to say exactly how much football I watch during the week because it depends on when we're playing. But if I'm free, I'll definitely watch the two live games on a Saturday, he says. I mostly watch the Premier League but if there's a big game on in La Liga, the Bundesliga or the French League, I'll watch it. Surprisingly, perhaps for someone who grew up idolising Thierry Henry and later as a young professional, Alexis Sanchez, in his Arsenal prime, the young Bukayo's first experience of live football came a long way from North London. I'm not sure I should really say this, but probably the first big game I remember going to was when my dad took me Old Trafford when I was little, he says. I have to say though, it was really nice because there are some special players that have played there in the past, so it was nice to go and watch a football game there with my family. It was also the ground where famously Arsenal clinched the league title in 2001-02, although Bakayo says if he could be present in any match in history, it would be a different title celebration. If I had to choose one Arsenal match I'd probably want to watch us win the league title at White Hart Lane in 2004. That would be so sick to watch. And the vibes must have been amazing. So I picked that one for selfish reasons. But I would have to say that if I could be present at any game, purely entertainment, it would be Barcelona versus PSG in the Champions League from 2017. This isn't the sort of game that anyone who ever saw it is likely to forget. This was when Barcelona trailing PSG 4-0 after a first leg thumping in France completed the unlikeliest of comebacks to win 6-1 on the night despite still trailing 5-3 on aggregate in the 88th minute. Two goals in three minutes from Neymar and the 96th minute winner from Sergio Roberto created Champions League history. That's probably my favourite game ever as a football fan. A fan of the game, rather than the club, 
because it was a really entertaining game and such an amazing comeback Bukayo adds. Nights like that are a reminder of why football is the greatest sport in the world. And our number seven clearly feels little need to look beyond the beautiful game. I don't really watch other sports away from football, he adds. If there's a big basketball game on, I might watch, but the problem is that the games are on so late, I don't really get to watch them. Much better than go to watch them in person. And Bakayo can't help but get excited when he looks back on his last trip to a sporting event that didn't involve the day job. I've been to an NBA game before, when I went to America. That was really good, I really enjoyed it. I saw the LA Clippers versus the Dallas Mavericks, because I was in LA at the time. I actually wanted to see the LA Lakers, but they were sold out. So I went to see the Clippers instead. And there were still some great players on show. Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Dirk Nowicki. It was a good game. In terms of sporting events I'd like to go one day, I'm not a big fan of the Super Bowl or anything like that. But I'd like to go to the NBA Finals. Courtside, he adds. I think that would be the most crazy sporting experience you could have. The atmosphere at big NBA games can certainly get heated, especially the closer to the court you are. But in football terms, Bokayo can't see anyone matching English fans for their loyalty and passion. Obviously, I haven't played in any other leagues, but I've played abroad for Arsenal and England, and I think you realise, wherever you go, both here and overseas, just how passionate English fans are and how much they love football. It's really evident when you go to any stadium how much the fans want their team to win. We know that level of support can have its downsides. For example, when passion oversteps the mark on social media and becomes something much darker. But Bakayo has long impressed the players and coaches around him with his maturity and calm authority. He is well educated, well brought up and it shows. As a result, he is comfortable meeting the fans even when it's least expected. I actually met a fan yesterday when I went to my local shop, a kid who wanted a picture, he recalls with a laugh. Then his dad came over to me afterwards and told him, we may need to step up because we lost the last two games. Normally, it's positive when I meet the fans, but this one was a bit different. Thankfully, he says with a smile, and the message appeared to be one of mostly polite encouragement, rather than abuse. And thankfully, fans do appear to be respectful in person because there is no hiding place. I think the strangest experience I've had with a fan must have been before the COVID restrictions were eased, he says. I was wearing a hat down past my eyebrows and a mask all the way up over my nose. So literally, the only thing you could see was my eyes. A fan came up to me and said, Hi Bakayo, I'd done everything I could to hide my face and cover my mouth so I could go out in public. And he still spotted me. I don't understand how he could have possibly have known it was me. I didn't realise until recently what sort of effect it had on people, how happy they are to see me. So when I do see the fans, I try to give them some time, be respectful and say hello, have a conversation, he adds. Supporters do really appreciate that sort of approach from a player. And the word does get around, but ultimately, it's what you do on the pitch that will determine the strength of the bond you create with your fans. Whatever club you play for, Bakayo should feel satisfied that he has already had his name immortalised in song. Definitely, he agrees. It sounds funny, but it's always been one of my dreams to have my own song. When I was growing up and coming to the stadium, there were lots of special songs and I always wanted to have my own. It's nice when I hear fans sing my name, and it definitely gives me a boost to play even better. I obviously share the chant with Emil, 
but I don't mind that. It's nice to share it with someone who's come up with me from Hell End. The fans support us both, and we just want to give our all for the team. Those young players, with your support, are expressing themselves in style. Long may it continue. Fact file. Bukayo Saka. Forward, England. Born Ealing, September 5th, 2001. Joined as a full-time scholar in July 2018. Previous club, none. Debut versus Vauxhall Poltava. Away, Europa League, November 29th, 2018. 1-3-0. First goal versus Eintracht Frankfurt. Away, Europa League, September 19th, 2019. 1-3-0. Arsenal Honours. FA Cup winner, 2020. Community Shield winner, 2020. England Caps, 14. Four goals. Behind the headline. Only one side wore the look of champions, and it was certainly not Arsenal. The Times, April 26, 1953. Arsenal historian John Sperling reveals the story behind the eye-catching newspaper headline. The gloomy headline in the Times appeared to confirm the fact that, following a 2-0 defeat at Preston North End at Deepdale, Arsenal's chances of regaining the First Division title were, to all intents and purposes, over. The backdrop to the 1952-53 campaign was often a troubled one, and the headlines in the media stung on more than one occasion. In September 1952, after defeats against Derby County and Charlton Athletic, Tom Whittaker's team was booed off by its own supporters and even went scuttling down to 7th place at one point. Gunners forward Peter Goring went public and said, Perhaps the Arsenal fans used to success down the years have become a little spoiled. The mood was at least lifted by wins over Portsmouth at home and Tottenham Hotspur at White Hart Lane. Goals from Goring, the fit again Jimmy Logie and footballer stroke cricketer Arthur Milton helped give the Gunners a morale-boosting 3-1 win in the North London derby and by December Arsenal had clambered up the table and had pace-setters wolves in their sights. Whittaker's men drew with Burnley and beat Aston Villa at home before playing out a remarkable 6-4 victory at Bolton on Christmas Day. The press dubbed it the clash between Nat Lofthouse, the Lion of Vienna, and Cliff Holton, the powerful and dashing natural successor to Ronnie Rook. There was much to admire in Arsenal's play, but after a double defeat by Blackpool in February in League and Cup, the Daily Mirror noted it was an Arsenal dream, the annual mirage of the double, but the dream is dead. It was slaughtered on the south shore for Arsenal's ragged army. Even in victory, it seemed hard to please the press. Despite a 4-1 win over Bolton that sent Arsenal back to the top of the table, the Daily Mail insisted, here was no championship fall. There was much bad football on both sides. The sometimes hard-to-please Arsenal crowd didn't always make life easy for their players either. One Arsenal player told a Daily Mail journalist anonymously that he was ashamed of the crowd and considered them the most unsporting collection in the country. Arsenal then hit a rich reign of form at just the right time, beating Liverpool and Chelsea in early April. With further victories over Bolton, Stoke and Manchester City, 
the Gunners could have won the title at Preston with a victory on April 25th, but succumbed to Tom Finney's excellent and lost 2-0 at Deepdale following goals from Finney and Charlie Wayman. With one match to play, the sides were level on 52 points. On April 29th, Finney's penalty gave Preston the victory his side needed against Derby. Arsenal now knew that they had to beat 6th place Burnley two days later at Highbury to pit Preston to the prize. Tellingly, Arsenal had garnered 52 points from 40 games the lowest number any potential champions had gained at that stage of the season. George Swindon recalled, We were absolutely shattered going into the game, but we tended to play well on heavy pitches. It was a team that often played well on the big occasion, so I was confident, although not everyone was. That included the Voice of Arsenal column in the Match Day programme, which noted, Preston beat us well and truly last Saturday, and we may well have to pay the penalty. Teammates noted that even skipper Joe Mercer, normally the life and soul of proceedings, was noticeably quiet when the players ate their eggs on toast at King's Cross Station, surrounded by Blackpool and Bolton fans milling around because the FA Cup final was being played the next day. The match kicked off at the early time of 6.30pm on Friday, May the 1st, due to the absence of flood lighting at Highbury. Despite the teeming rain, 51,586 turned up to watch Arsenal's last stand. The action was frenetic, and Burnley's Roy Stevenson put his side ahead against the run of play after six minutes. Midway through the first half, Arsenal found their attacking rhythm. Alex Forbes, courtesy of a huge deflection, equalised. And two minutes later, Logie ducked out of the way to allow Doug Lishman to put Arsenal 2-1 up. I just smacked the loose ball as hard as I could. It was the greatest moment of my life when it went in, he later recalled. Just before half-time, amid another torrential downpour, Logie pounced from five yards out to snaffle a poacher's goal. With puddles now visible on the Highbury surface, the Clarets' Billy Elliott pulled the score back to 3-2, five minutes into the second half. The Arsenal players attempted to shut up shop, a risky strategy with 40 minutes left. Don Roper recalled, I had a knee injury, and at one point I thought I'd collapse with pain when the ball caught me on the side. It later turned out I'd torn a ligament. But these were the days before substitutes, so you had to carry on. Joe Mercer, Jimmy Logie and Pete Goring were virtual passengers by now. They could barely walk. We had no option but to stand firm in the final half hour. Tom Whittaker couldn't stand the tension, walked down the tunnel and poured himself a double brandy. Late on, Roper caught Elliot in the box. The Burnley man stumbled and carried on. He told Roper, There are better ways of denying you the title than that, Don. Finally, at 8.10pm, the referee blew his whistle and the crowd invaded the pitch. Some threw their red scarves and rosettes into the air. Others carried the players around the pitch. Arsenal had won the title on goal average by 0.099 of a goal. The rain stopped and, with the sun breaking through, there was a red sky at night in N5. Just six days after the Times appeared to have written off Arsenal's chances of glory, Whittaker's team dug deep into their resolve and prevailed by the slimmest of margins. It was a hugely symbolic evening, 
and there wouldn't be another like it at Highbury for 17 long and often dispiriting years. The year 1953. In football, Division 1 champions, Arsenal. FA Cup winners, Blackpool. Top scorer, Charlie Wayman, Preston North End, 23. The game, League Division 1, Arsenal Stadium, Highbury, May 1st, 1953. Arsenal 3, Forbes 10, Lishman 15, Logie 21. Burnley 2, Stevenson 8, Elliott 75. Arsenal, Swindon, Wade, Smith, Forbes, Daniel, Mercer, Roper, Logie, Goring, Lishman, Marden. Also in 1953, Elizabeth II is crowned Queen of England on June the 2nd. Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay complete the first successful ascent to the summit of Mount Everest. Joseph Stalin, the leader of the Soviet Union, dies at the age of 74. The USSR also tests its first version of the hydrogen bomb. Striker Tommy Taylor, 21, becomes Britain's most expensive footballer in a £29,999 transfer from Barnsley to Manchester United. The Korean War ends after three years and one month. Dwight D. Eisenhower is inaugurated as the President of the United States. The first polio vaccine is developed by virologist Jonas Salk and a team at the University of Pittsburgh. Ian Fleming's first James Bond novel, Casino Royale, is published. England lose 6-3 to Hungary at Wembley. Community Voice Arsenal in the Community engages more than 5,000 participants every week. Each issue we hear about one of our projects from their perspective. Jamie is 23 and from North London. He's been an Arsenal student, gap year student and a community coach to complete the hat-trick. I first heard about Arsenal in the Community projects when I was in secondary school and they were advertising the Arsenal Student Level 3 programme, which the school recommended me for. I've always wanted to be involved in football and coaching since I was very young and being given the opportunity at Arsenal Football Club was amazing. Following my time as a student, I progressed on Arsenal's coach education gap year and I now work as a community coach. Being a fan of the club made it really easy for me to decide that I wanted to continue with coaching. Before joining Arsenal in the community, I was a very shy person and I'm definitely more confident because of my experiences. My Arsenal journey is approaching seven years now and I've been part of changing scenarios and unique experiences that have really helped me. For example, coaching in Uganda for three months. Some of the other opportunities have included watching first-team training, playing on the Emirates pitch, being invited to the director's box to watch a game, gaining my FA Level 1 and 2 coaching qualifications and managing my own Under-10 Football Plus team. All these activities have been incredible. I've enjoyed every moment and hopefully there are more to come. I've made good friendships through my time with the club and I've worked and coached with many of the Arsenal staff such as Martin, Tony and James who've really helped me develop as a coach from just starting my coaching career to now starting my UEFA B which I'm so excited for. I've developed and enhanced many skills during my time including behaviour management and first aid as well as interview and communication skills. 
These are all things that can benefit me outside of the coaching environment and in my daily life. My favourite part of being a community coach is the impact I can have on young people. It surprised me how much I can have an effect on someone and the decisions they make away from sessions. Using football as a tool to engage and act as a mentor is a privilege. It means a great deal to be part of this massive football club, to wear the kit every day and represent the club, while doing something I love. I would say join if you have the opportunity to be involved in a community project. It gives you so many unique opportunities that many people will never get to experience. Since being a coach here, it's definitely improved my knowledge of football and coaching and given me a foundation to hopefully become a top coach and even better person. Academy Young Gun, Marcelo Flores. Hard work and perseverance is something that's ingrained into me as a footballer and as a person too. It's all I've ever known. It's the way I was raised and it's part of who I am now. I think this season in particular has been a really good example of that. Starting this season with the under-18s again was initially quite frustrating because I felt like I was ready for the step up. I always want to be challenged and pushed outside of my comfort zone because I feel like that has always been the best way for me to grow and develop. But I didn't lose patience. I kept working hard. I kept putting in performances and kept trying to help my teammates because that's always the most important thing in football. I ended up getting six goals and two assists in my first eight games for the under-18s. But then a couple of injuries happened at under-23 level and I was eventually given my chance to make the step up. I knew I had to take it. Kevin Betsy gave me the chance to play against Chelsea in the EFL Trophy at the Emirates Stadium and that was a real turning point for me because I scored off the bench and put in a really strong performance too. It was a really good feeling to take my chance in that game but at the same time I feel like that's what I expect of myself at this level. It's what I should be doing week in, week out. I've always had self-belief in my own ability so... I guess it's just nice to have those moments when you confirm your thoughts and feelings. I've played for a lot of clubs and moved to different countries throughout my career, so breaking into new teams and environments is nothing new to me. It's all about hard work and when things aren't quite going right for you, you just need to dig deep and work even harder. I saw an amazing quote from Martinelli recently and I couldn't agree more. He said that his family always used to tell him, The minimum you can do in your football is work your hardest. And that's something my parents tell me too. I really respect that mentality. And I think it's something that the fans can see on the pitch too. I love Martinelli as a player. He's someone that I really admire. He's so technical and he's got a lot of flair with the way he plays in the final third. But he's also got an amazing work rate and attitude towards his defensive duties too. Being able to train with Gabby and all of the first team has been so valuable for my development. But the highlight of my season is far from an obvious one. I was named on the bench for Arsenal's Premier League game against Crystal Palace a few weeks ago and that was an amazing experience. I suppose that was a reward for my hard work and performances at under-23 level. But for me, it was also a good reminder about the importance of keeping fit 
keeping sharp and being available because if I wasn't injury free that opportunity would have passed me by and gone to someone else but the funny thing is I actually missed the call I got home from training and I fell fast asleep because I was so tired so I had no idea that people were trying to contact me they had to call my dad in the end and he told me the good news later that evening going into that match day I just wanted to learn as much as possible I wanted to see how the coaches are different between a match day and training, how they prepare and what they talk about in the meetings and what Mikel has to say before a game in the crucial moments before kickoff. I was just trying to be as attentive as possible because this is the place I want to be. Mikel is a very passionate manager. I really like that about him. He's got amazing attention to detail and you can see that he has his ways in terms of how he likes to operate. Everyone listens to every word he has to say and I really believe that if you trust what he's doing and that what he's asking of you, then you'll see the results. About me. My favourite footballer of all time is Neymar Jr. If I could have a conversation with anyone in the world, I would choose Lionel Messi. If I could speak to my younger self, I would say, believe in yourself. My favourite person to follow on Instagram is Neymar Jr. My favourite music artist right now is Lil Baby. My favourite pre-match song is Freestyle by Lil Baby. My best football attribute is dribbling. The one thing I need on an away day is music. The one thing I want to do in my football career is win the Ballon d'Or. If I wasn't a footballer, I would be a basketball player. The first team players I look up to most are Emile and Gabby Martinelli. The player who shaped my game most is myself. The best thing about being at Arsenal is facilities and staff. If I could recommend a TV series, I would pick Naruto. Lowdown. What's your earliest memory of football? Lining up footballs to kick against my couch when I was around 11 months old. Who was the first footballer you look up to? Ronaldinho. Who are your best friends in football? Omari Hutchinson and Luigi Gaspar. Which team did you support as a child? Barcelona. Who has had the biggest influence on your career? My family. What is your favourite goal of all time? My first goal at Emirates versus Chelsea. What's the best game you've ever had? Probably my two goals against Bournemouth. What's your proudest achievement so far? My Mexico debut or making the Arsenal first team bench. Who do you combine best with on the pitch? Omari Hutchinson or Jack Henry Francis? Best moment of your career so far? Making my pro debut with Mexico. Most difficult moment of your career so far? My 10-week hamstring injury. If you had to change position, where would you play? I would play as a number nine. Around the Academy. Action Roundup. Our under-18s continued their strong recent form with a hard-fought 1-1 draw away to Birmingham City. 
In what were challenging conditions on the road, Dan Michici's young chargers found themselves a goal down inside ten minutes when a mishit cross from Harley Hamilton deceived Alex Kovacevic on its way into the bottom corner. The young gunners responded well to the early setback, however, and almost restored parity through Charles Sago Jr., who latched on to an inviting ball across the box from James Sweet, but his effort could only find the side netting. Our persistence did pay off just five minutes after the restart, when Bradley Ibrahim, fresh from signing his first professional contract with the club, fired into the top right-hand corner from 20 yards after good pressing from the front by Sago Jr. After the match, Bikichi praised the response from his side to going a goal down early on. We knew it was going to be tough today. We asked the boys not to pay attention to Birmingham's recent results, and I'm really pleased with our second-half response. The point leaves Arsenal seventh and the under-18 Premier League with just three matches remaining. Change of role for front man. Billy Viga is known to fans as the forward who leads the line for our under-18s, but head coach Dan Mikiji has experimented with his position in recent weeks. The 18-year-old has been deployed in a new role as right-wing back of late, and he has looked the part too, scoring and providing an assist on his debut in that position, in the 4-2 win over Southampton. Viga impressed again in the 1-1 draw with Birmingham City, and his head coach was quick to praise the way the versatile forward has adapted to life in his new and unfamiliar position. There were different demands of him defensively today, Mikiji said, knowing Billy, he will feel like he should have scored, but we're really proud of him, and he's showing he's an effective team player to play in a different position. Club represented at PFA event. The Professional Footballers Association welcomed academy scholars and professional players to St George's Park for a player development day as part of their Asian Inclusion Mentoring Scheme, AIMS, AIMS. AIMS was created to enhance the experience of British Asian footballers by creating a structured network of support that allows them to thrive. Three of our very own academy staff were in attendance on the day. Emerging talent coordinator Yusuf Sajad, sports scientist Nav Singh, and physiotherapist Zuba Halim, as more than 90 players from academy to professional level took part in educational presentations, workshops, and coaching sessions led by England under-17 head coach Tom Curtis. All eyes on promising young gunner. This issue's young gun, Marcello Flores, continues to be the name on everyone's lips, and that even extends to head coach, Michele Arteta. It's no surprise that the 18-year-old is attracting interest from the media after an impressive 13 goals in 20 appearances this season, and the boss was asked about our Mexican midfielder in a recent press conference. Arteta was quizzed on Flores' call-up to the first-team squad for our trip to Crystal Palace and how he has handled training. It was great to have him around, Mikel said. I think he's developing really, really well. He's doing well with the under-23s and it's great for him to get good experiences on match days with the first team. It's how they start to understand what it takes to be a professional player 
the pressure around it and start to live those moments. It's key. Arsenal Women News and reports from England's most successful women's football team. Arsenal fall to Chelsea in FA Cup. Arsenal's hopes of winning a record-extending 15th Women's FA Cup will have to wait for another season after the Gunners lost 2-0 to Chelsea in a hard-fought semi-final at Meadow Park last Sunday. The game got off to a lively start and the hosts dominated the opening exchanges with a number of promising chances. Beth Mead wreaked havoc on the left wing and came close to pulling the trigger after finding space in the area, only to be denied by an outstanding interception. While Stina Blackstainus failed to capitalise on a chance from close range, Viviane Medima fired narrowly over from a distance before Chelsea began to tighten up at the back and create openings of their own but both defences held firm to ensure the game was goalless at the break. The hosts had another golden chance shortly after the restart, when Meade fired just wide following some outstanding close control inside the area. But immediately after that missed opportunity, the visitors opened the scoring. Guru Rayton picked up the ball 30 yards from goal and drove forward before curling the ball across the goal from the left and into the top right corner. That goal seemed to dent Arsenal's confidence and just 10 minutes later Chelsea doubled their advantage through Ji So Yun, who fired into the top corner after we failed to clear our lines. Jonas Eideval went on to make a number of changes in an attempt to wrestle back control, but we were unable to find a way through Chelsea's defence and spark a late comeback. I am very disappointed with the match today, but I am very motivated to do everything to finish the season as strongly as possible, Eideval said after the final whistle. It has been clear for us that when we play at our best, we can play against any team, but we need to develop consistency in our basic principles. That is the most important thing for the rest of the season, and then we can develop into a really strong team. Gunners run riot in World Cup qualifiers. A host of Arsenal stars were in action for their countries in the recent World Cup qualifiers, and there were some spectacular results. Beth Mead weighed in with four goals and an assist in England's 10-0 win in North Macedonia on April the 8th, with Nikita Paris also providing an assist after replacing Lauren Hemp on the hour mark. Four days later, Leah Williamson returned to skipper the Lionesses to a 5-0 victory in Northern Ireland. Her pass released Lauren Hemp for the third goal, with Mead having assisted the second for Ella Toon. Incredibly, though, Beth wasn't the top-scoring gunner, as Vivienne Maydima scored six and notched two assists in the Netherlands' 12-0 home win over Cyprus. Elsewhere, Stina Blackstainus helped Sweden book their place in next year's finals, scoring two in a 15-0 win over Georgia, before the Swedes were held to a 1-1 draw by Ireland, for whom skipper Katie McCabe scored. Could you be a gunner? 
We are now accepting applications to trial for our Girls Academy, RTC and Pre-Academy for the 2022-23 season. Pre-Academy, under-9s to under-11s, train once a week while still playing for their grassroots club, while RTC Academy, under-12s and under-16s, train twice a week and play in an organised fixture programme. If you're interested, visit the women's news pages at arsenal.com for further details. Tottenham back on at Emirates. We are delighted that the North London derby postponed from March the 26th will go ahead at Emirates Stadium on Wednesday, May the 4th, with kick-off at 7.15pm. Previously purchased tickets remain valid unless you have already requested a refund, and ticket holders will be emailed with details of how to request a refund in the event they are unable to attend the rearranged date. Visitors, Manchester United. Words, Mike Hammond, Photography, Getty Images. Formed 1878. Nickname, Red Devils. Stadium, Old Trafford. Honours, League Champions 20 times. FA Cup winners 12 times. League Cup winners 5 times. Community Shield winners 21 times. European Cup Stroke Champions League winners 3 times. European Cup Winners Cup winners once. Europa League winners once. Intercontinental Cup Stroke Club World Cup winners twice. European Super Cup winners once. This season has been another one of frustration and disappointment for Manchester United. Their fifth in a row without silverware and their longest barren run for 40 years. Punctuated by a change of manager with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer departing in November to make way for interim boss Ralph Ragnick, United's campaign has been marked by turbulence off the field as well as on. Eliminated early from both the Carabao Cup by West Ham United and the FA Cup by Middlesbrough on penalties at Old Trafford, United did win their Champions League group ahead of Villarreal, Atalanta and Young Boys, thanks largely to a raft of decisive late goals from returning hero Cristiano Ronaldo. They then went out in the round of 16, however, also in front of their home supporters, to Atletico Madrid. For the last few weeks then, United's sole objective has been to secure a place in next season's Champions League. Their recent results, however, have been modest at best. Last Saturday's 3-2 win at home to struggling Norwich, just one of two in their last seven league matches, although the other was also a memorable 3-2 success at home to fellow top-four candidates Tottenham, in which Ronaldo, as against Norwich, scored a hat-trick. Ronaldo's return to Old Trafford last summer after 12 years away was held as a coup for United. He wasn't the only newcomer either, with England international Jadon Sancho arriving for big money from Borussia Dortmund and World Cup winning French defender Raphael Varena joining from Real Madrid. With no major departures, it was widely anticipated that United would be in contention for a first Premier League title since the Alex Ferguson retired in 2013. Despite a strong start to the campaign, United's form slumped in the autumn. 
the low points, a 5-0 home defeat by Liverpool and a 4-1 loss at Watford that sealed Solskjaer's fate. A 1-1 draw at Chelsea and a 3-2 home win against Arsenal under caretaker manager Michael Carrick steadied the ship before Ragnick took over. The boss, Ralph Rangnick, born June 29, 1958, in Backnang, Germany. Previously, Reutlingen, 1995-97. Ulm, 1997-99. Stuttgart, 1999-2001. Hanover, 2001-04. Schalke, 2004-05. Pfoffenheim, 2006-11. Schalke, 2011. Leipzig 2015-16, Eyebrows were raised in November when Manchester United announced that they would not be seeking a permanent successor to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer until the end of the 2021-22 season, and that the man to oversee the interim was 63-year-old German Ralf Ragnick. While little known at the time in this country, his reputation as a forward-thinking coach and director of football was strong in his homeland, even if his only trophy success was a German Cup win with Schalke in 2011. On Thursday, United announced that Ragnick will be replaced as manager by Ajax boss Eric Ten Hag in the summer. Number 7. The Superstar. Cristiano Ronaldo. Forward. Born. Funchal Madeira. 5th of February 1985. Previously, Sporting Lisbon, Manchester United, Real Madrid, Juventus. Unquestionably one of the greatest footballers of all time. Cristiano made his name at Old Trafford during his first spell from 2003 to 2009, before going on to repeatedly rival Lionel Messi as the world number one during a phenomenal nine-year career at Real Madrid, where he broke countless goal-scoring records and won a plethora of major honours, including four Champions Leagues to add to the one he won with United in 2008. With 115 goals for Portugal, he is also the all-time leading marksman at international level. Number 18. The Playmaker. Bruno Fernandes. Midfielder. Born. Maia, Portugal. 8th of September 1994. Previously. Novara. Udinese. Sampdoria, Sporting Lisbon. Signed in January 2020, Bruno has enjoyed a scintillating couple of years at Old Trafford, becoming the team's chief creator as well as a frequent goalscorer. The Portuguese international who helped his country win the 2019 Nations League and recently scored the two playoff final goals against North Macedonia that took his country to the Qatar World Cup has raised his global profile considerably since his £68 million move from Sporting and recently signed a new United contract extension. Number 1. The Keeper. David De Gea. Goalkeeper. Born. Madrid, Spain. 7th of November 1990. Previously, Atletico Madrid. Widely regarded as one of the world's best goalkeepers over the past decade, David has been selected in the PFA Premier League Team of the Year five times and is now in his 11th season as United's number one, during which his outstanding shot-stopping has been as important as ever. Signed as Edwin van der Sar's replacement in 2011 from Atletico Madrid, 
He also subsequently became the successor to Spain's Ilka Casillas and has appeared 45 times for his country. Number 6. The Enigma, Paul Pogba. Midfielder. Born. Langy sur Marne, France. 15th of March 1993. Previously, Manchester United, Juventus. Since returning to First Club United in 2016 for a then world record fee after four brilliant Scudetto winning seasons with Juventus, Paul has generally divided opinion among partisans and neutrals alike. Regularly touted for a move away from Old Trafford, the gifted but inconsistent midfielder, a 2018 World Cup winner with France, has generally blown hot and cold for United as well as suffering a number of injuries, including one against Liverpool in midweek that may leave him at doubt for this game. Number 5. The Captain, Harry Maguire, Defender Born Sheffield, 5th of March 1993 Previously Sheffield United, Hull, Wigan, Lone, Leicester Harry became the world's costliest defender when United signed him in 2019 for £80 million from Leicester, where he had spent the previous two seasons, in the midst of which he starred for England at the World Cup in Russia. Tall, comfortable in possession and airily dominant, the 29-year-old Yorkshireman has come in for some criticism of late, but with 42 caps and seven international goals, he remains England's first choice in central defence and a likely World Cup starter in Qatar. Number 36. The Young Gun. Anthony Elanga. Forward. Born. Malmo, Sweden. 27th of April, 2002. Previously, none. Born and raised in Sweden, Anthony moved with his family to England, where he joined the Manchester United Academy at the age of 12. He has since worked his way up through the club's youth system, and made his first team bow last May before becoming a regular squad member this season following the arrival of Ralph Ragnick. The youngster who turns 20 next week has chipped in with some important goals, notably the equaliser at Atletico Madrid in the Champions League round of 16 first leg. Number 25. On the flank. Jaden Sancho. Forward. Born. Camberwell. 25th of March, 2000. Previously, Borussia Dortmund. A former youth player for Manchester City, Jaden earned his professional dues in Germany at Borussia Dortmund, where he became a teenage sensation after helping England to victory at the 2017 Under-17 World Cup. Goals and assists flowed regularly in the Bundesliga, and he signed off for Dortmund with a brace in the 4-1 German Cup final win over RB Leipzig, before joining United on a five-year contract last summer. The 22-year-old winger has yet to truly sparkle at Old Trafford, however. Number 2. At the back, Victor Lindelof. Defender. Born. Vasteras, Sweden, 17th of July 1994. Previously, Vasteras, Benfica. The current captain of Sweden with 52 caps, four of them earned as an ever-present at Euro 2020, Victor has been a Manchester United player since the summer of 2017, when he joined after winning consecutive Portuguese league titles with Benfica. He has proved a stalwart in central defence over the past few seasons, making nearly 200 appearances for the club, although his regular place alongside United captain Harry Maguire 
was challenged last summer by the signing of Rafael Varena. Visitors, Manchester United, Scouting Report, Words, Michael Cox, Photography, Getty Images. When Ralph Ragnick was appointed Manchester United's interim manager, it was anticipated that he would move the side away from a reliance on Cristiano Ronaldo in favour of a more cohesive approach based around intense pressing. But after some energetic early displays, United don't seem particularly adept at winning the ball in advanced positions, and if anything seem even more based around Ronaldo. In two of their last five games at home to Tottenham and Norwich, they have won 3-2 courtesy of a brilliant Ronaldo hat-trick. That last victory featured a peculiar 4-3-3 without a conventional holding player, which exposed United's defence to Norwich's counter-attacks while Rangnick opted to deploy three centre-backs for the first half of the 4-0 defeat at Anfield on Tuesday. It's unlikely that either of those systems will be repeated here. Ronaldo missed the midweek clash with Liverpool for personal reasons, and when he's been unavailable, Rangnick has often elected to play without a conventional striker, using Bruno Fernandes up front. In the 4-1 defeat to Manchester City, he essentially used Fernandes and Paul Pogba as a strike duo, while in a 1-1 draw against Leicester, it was Fernandes alone with Pogba playing as a number 10. That's despite the availability of Marcus Rashford, who is also behind Jadon Sancho and Anthony Elanga out wide. Sancho has improved under Ragnick and is generally fielded from the left, despite excelling on the right at Dortmund. Elanga has been another bright spark in recent months, dribbling in field dangerously and dispossessing Ben Gibson to tee up Ronaldo's opener last weekend. Defensively, he can show his inexperience, which cost United in their Champions League defeat to Atletico Madrid, although the Swede did score the equaliser in the first leg. It's unlikely we'll see Pogba, Fernandes and Jesse Lingard together, considering how open United were against Norwich. Fred, Scott McTominay and Nemanja Matic all offer more defensive discipline, although Matic might be the only one fit enough to play this weekend. United have struggled to keep clean sheets in recent weeks. Rangnick has opted to switch Harry Maguire from his usual role to the left of the central back duo to the right, leaving Victor Lindelof or Raphael Varena to partner him in unfamiliar roles to the left. This probably helps Maguire's distribution and he spread play well in the 1-1 draw against Leicester. United centre-backs have a habit of being dragged out of defence too easily, however, which is why a solid holding midfielder is so important. At full-back, Diogo Dalot and Alex Telles generally seem more suited to attacking briefs than the English duo of Luke Shaw and Aaron Juan Bissaka, while in goal, David De Gea has been United's most consistent player this season and has often been sensational here at the Emirates. USP, you don't know what's coming next. Ralph Rangnick has regularly changed systems since taking charge, initially favouring a 4-4-2 with the two wide players roaming inside, then turning to 4-2-3-1 before using an aggressive 4-3-3 in the win over Norwich City and an unsuccessful combination of 5-4-1 and 3-5-2 in the first half of United's midweek defeat to Liverpool. 
a number of injury concerns, notably in midfield, make it even harder to predict how United will line up this afternoon. Match action. Arsenal versus Brighton. Arsenal 1, Brighton 2. Arsenal scorers, Odegaard, 89th minute. Brighton scorers, Trossard, 29th minute. Moipu, 67th minute. Saturday, April 9th, 2022. Emirates Stadium. Timeline. 25th minute. Gabriel heads the best chance of the game so far wide. 29th minute. Trossard puts the visitors ahead with a curling shot. 67th minute. Mwepu doubles the lead by firing home from the edge of the area. 88th minute. Odegaard and Nakataya both hit the bar within seconds of each other. 89th minute. Odegaard scores, but it's too late for an Arsenal comeback. Talking heads. Aaron Ramsdale. We weren't in the rhythm of the game. That's unlike us especially at home where we've normally started really well all season. It was a really poor performance. Mikel Arteta. Everything that we talked about and the way we prepared all week and the clarity that we had to start the game in a different way, in the end we didn't produce it on the pitch. And we have to be really honest with that. We didn't give anything to our crowd to hang on to. We didn't show enough purpose, speed, momentum. We didn't generate anything that we wanted to do. Facts. We've conceded the first goal in consecutive Premier League games for the first time since our opening three of the season. We've lost seven of eight games when conceding first this season. The Gunners have lost consecutive home league games, having lost just two of the previous 16 at the Emirates. Brighton scored twice as many goals in this victory as they had in their previous seven Premier League games combined. Match action. Premier League, Saturday, April 16th, 2022, 3pm. St Mary's Stadium. Southampton 1. Bednarek, 45. Arsenal 0. Stats. Possession. SFC, 24%. AFC, 76%. Total shots. SFC, 9. AFC, 23. Shots on target. SFC, 3. AFC 6 Block shots SFC 5 AFC 5 Offsides SFC 2 AFC 0 Corners SFC 6 AFC 8 Tackles 1 SFC 7 AFC 7 Yellow cards SFC 2 AFC 1 Red cards SFC 0 AFC 0 Timeline. Ninth minute. Forster makes a fine save from Martinelli's rasping drive. Seventeenth minute. Forster is there again to tip Saka's close-range volley over. Forty-fifth minute. Bednarek finds the net after the Gunners fail to clear a corner. Seventy-fifth minute. Smith-Rowe's shot is well saved. Eighty-first minute. Forster caps a sensational display by saving once again from Saka. Talking heads, Sambi Lokonga. It's a big disappointment. I think everybody in the dressing room knows that it's not enough for the moment, but we need to stick together and get back to winning ways. Mikel Arteta. 
difficult to explain to lose that football match. At the end of the day, it's decided in the boxes. They scored one goal, and for the amount of time that we spent around the box and the shots that we had and the situations and the clear-cut chances that we had, we didn't put them in the goal. Because they had an exceptional goalkeeper today, and as well we didn't have enough quality and enough capacity to break them down when we had the numbers and the situations to do so. Facts. This was the third time this season Arsenal have registered more than 20 efforts at goal and not scored. Southampton keeper Fraser Forster has kept three clean sheets in his seven Premier League games against the Gunners. We have lost each of our last three Premier League games, having lost just two of our previous 13. Won 11, drawn 1. Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta. Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts, red and white hoop socks. 1. Ben Leno, goalkeeper. 3. Kieran Tierney. 4. Ben White. 5. Thomas Partey. 6. Gabriel. 7. Bukayo Saka. 8. Martin Odegaard. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 10. Emil Smith Rowe. 16. Rob Holding. 17. Cedric Suarez. 18. Takahiro Tomiyasu. 19. Nicolas Pepe. 20. Nuno Tavares. 23. Albert Sambi Lokonga. 25. Mohamed Elneny. 30. Edian Kitia. 32. Aaron Bramsdale, goalkeeper. 33. Arthur Okonkwo, goalkeeper. 34. Granite Shaka. 35. Gabriel Martinelli. 58. Mika Bierth. 61. Mazid Agongbo. 65. Salah Adin Ulad Amhand. 69. Zach Swanson. 75. Zach Awe. 78. Marcello Flores. 82. Omari Hutchinson. 87. Charlie Patino. For Manchester United, interim manager Ralph Rangnick. Black and navy shirts, black shorts and socks. 1. David de Gea, goalkeeper. 2. Victor Lindelof. 3. Eric Bailey. 4. Phil Jones. 5. Harry Maguire. 6. Paul Pogba. 7. Cristiano Ronaldo. 8. Juan Mata. 10. Marcus Rashford. 11. Mason Greenwood. 13. Lee Grant, goalkeeper. 14. Jesse Lingard. 17. Fred. 18. Bruno Fernandes. 19. Rafael Varane. 20. Diogo Dalot. 21. Edinson Cavani. 22. Tom Heaton, goalkeeper. 23. Luke Shaw. 25. Jaden Sancho. 26. Dean Henderson, goalkeeper. 27. Alex Telles. 29. Aaron Wan-Bissaka. 31. Nemanja Matic. 36. Anthony Ilanya. 39. Scott McTominay. 46. Hannibal Mejibri. 47. Shola Shoratira. Referee. Craig Pawson. Assistant referees. Edward Smart. Daniel Robothen. Fourth official. David Coote. VAR official. Jared Gillett. 
additional VAR official Sean Marcielis. Today's other fixtures. Leicester City vs Aston Villa, 3pm. Manchester City vs Watford, 3pm. Norwich City vs Newcastle United, 3pm. Brentford vs Tottenham Hotspur, 5.30pm. The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. No room for racism. Camden Town Brewery, official beer partner of Arsenal FC. Twenty twenty one to twenty two membership, red membership. My Arsenal Rewards, Priority Ticket Access. Junior Gunners, 2021-22 Membership. Junior Gunners Membership, Discounted Tickets, Membership Pack. Join now, arsenal.com slash membership. There is a QR code to be scanned on the print version of the programme. Where we belong. New 21 stroke 22 third kit. Available in store and Arsenal Direct. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.